Welcome to Group Thinkers. I'm Justin McCord. With me is Ronnie Richard. And Ronnie, this is an interesting one. It's a big this one. This is uh this is this is super interesting. So here's the thing. On uh on this episode, we're going to have a conversation with uh Theodore Wagonard and our and yeah. Ronnie, tell us a little bit about Ted, uh, and then I, I want to give a couple of observations. Sure. Yeah. So Ted's story is really interesting, I think, and I'm going to back up a little bit to a, a couple of months ago. So uh, our listeners may be familiar with RKD Group's quit bad fundraising movement that we've we've been kind of talking about, and really that got started with our CEO Chris Pritcher, and he was kind of noticing. Just like something wasn't quite right with fundraising in our space, and he's just he's he's making an observation that nonprofits and their partners, you know, need to change. And so he planned and wrote this op-ed piece that ran in the nonprofit Times about what we all as an industry need to do to build better experiences for donors. And we knew at a certain point we knew this piece was going to publish on June twenty eighth. You know, we were lining it up and knew it was coming out that day. So the day before, June 27th, we we look in the Chronicle of Philanthropy and see Ted wrote an op-ed piece, our guest, that says, why I stopped donating to your organization. And I, I mean, I remember we were just shocked, like, wow, like, Justin, you got to see this. This is like the exact opposite side of the of the of the coin saying the exact same thing from the donor's perspective. So then we reached out to Ted and, and asked if he'd be curious, you know, to to join us on this this podcast episode. And and here we are. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was Kismet or like a I don't know, like a Stockton Malone pick and roll. I don't know which like this is <laughs> but here's the thing is that um I'm going, to, I'm going to read to the audience the last line of the op-ed. We're going to have a link in the show notes. I want you to go read it. I implore everyone in the nonprofit space to go and read this and really try and filter it alongside filtering the conversation that we have here with Ted. This is how the op-ed closes. Transparency matters. If organizations want to maintain relationships with their donors and encourage further gifts, they need to listen, ask questions, and respond to donors' needs. Only then can they effectively work together for the greater good. So here's what's interesting about this about this episode and conversation in particular. On every other episode that we've had uh, in the history of group thinkers, it's been with someone who is in the field of nonprofit marketing or fundraising or marketing in general, in some capacity. They're an insider, and we're talking about things that are advancing within our space. That's not this conversation. This conversation is with someone who is outside of the sector, who is stepping back from their relationship with the sector and tying together some things that we have felt inside the sector. And he is choosing to be brave enough to put it out there of what he's experiencing. And that's what makes it a unique uh, conversation and a unique episode and something altogether different. And so we, uh, we're excited for you to get to listen to it. And hopefully it challenges the way that you think 
uh, and maybe even set you on a course to doing something different. So uh, with that, Ronnie, I guess here we go. Here's our conversation with the author of Why I Stopped Donating to Your Organization, Theodore C. Wagonar on Group Thinkers. Okay, Ronnie, we have uh, we've done our fair share of of podcasts at this point. Um, this is this is unique today because this is somewhat putting our money where our mouth is, in that we're we're so used to talking to people that are in the philanthropic space professionally. And today we get to have a conversation with someone who is in the philanthropic space uh, because they choose to be as a donor. And I think that's really interesting. Like it's, yeah, it's unique for us. I I was thinking about it and I don't want to put too much pressure on our guests today, but this might be, you know, the most important guest we've had from, you know, our audience and everyone, we should really listen to what he has to say. I mean, I, now I feel pressure, uh, Ted, I don't know about you. Set the bar. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we'd like to welcome to group thinkers, uh, Theodore Wagonar, uh, Ted, good, good to have you. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, Ted, you're not just any, uh, any donor. You're a, a donor who, uh, has stepped up and stepped out to say something. And that's how you came um, onto our radar was uh, an article that you penned um, in the Chronicle of Philanthropy that uh, the, the headline of the article is why I stopped donating to your organization. Walk us through uh, your background uh, and your connection to philanthropy. And then we want to build up to, uh, this, this article that you, uh, that you crafted recently. My own experience is that of a immigrant child that, uh, came from a very poor family. And, um, I, as a result, got scholarships all the way through college and graduate school. And I've always been very grateful for that. So the main goal of my philanthropic ventures are to help other lower income kids succeed in school and then also attend college and succeed there. That's how I I first got into the whole thing. So that continues to be my major philanthropic interest. I think it's important to to note for our audience that uh, that Ted, like so many people that we think about uh, as individual donors, like Ted, you've got a personal mission. You have something that is your fair way in terms of where you support. Uh, professionally, your career was in academia. Uh, you're a retired college professor where you and you spent 38 years at Miami of Ohio um, and uh, and taught sociology. And uh, and I'm curious how how does your not just the mission that you just mentioned that you have and your purpose philanthropically, but how did your professional life intersect with your mission and uh, with with your perspective on nonprofits? That's a good question. I 
selected sociology because it helps address a lot of those questions as to why things are the way they are in society. And a recurring feature of our society, as well as a lot of society, is the uh, growing inequality between people of different social classes. And as part of my work in sociology of education, I came face to face with that reality, did some research for the U.S. Department of Education and some other agencies to study that. So, yes, uh, professionally, I've long been involved in analyzing the connections between decisions that are made at the policy level and the implications they have for children in our society. Ted, take us through the a little bit into the op-ed. So what what kind of spurred you to write it? What was like, why now, I guess? And, and what was the spark that, that made you want to step up and say something? It. It, it appeared because I had some unsatisfactory experiences with some organizations. And by the time the third or the fourth one happened, I thought, you know what? I wonder if I can compile all this into an article that might be of help to nonprofits. And so it was uh, an experience with an organization that didn't respond to my request to update my estate plans with that organization. It was an organization that didn't respond to my inquiry as to how they were going to deploy uh, a huge grant that they had received so that I could decide how my donation might fit in. Um, it was receiving the wrong kinds of receipts when you give money from an IRA. And after um, several of those occurred in the space of a few months, I thought, well, let's put this all together. Maybe it'll help some of these organizations. In, in the in the op-ed, you kind of talked about how you'll often give a gift to, to kind of, I guess, test the organization and see how they respond when you give a gift. And we've heard that from, um, you know, people that work uh, with us as well, that they see that at nonprofit organizations. And so these responses or lack of responses, I guess, that you've gotten, is this, is this something that you've seen in prior, you know, in the past, or is, is it really just something that's kind of cropped up more recently. You said it's happened a few times recently. Had had you seen anything like this before? I have, but not to the same degree. And of okay. course, this is probably due to the, um, you know, to the turnover in the nonprofit sector in terms of fundraising. And there certainly are staffing issues and, you know, and I appreciate that. Um, but it all came together for me this year. Um, and that's why I wrote the article. Yeah. And, and, and you even cite within the article, some of the connections to, you know, the reports and studies that we see in our sector on the continued decline on number of individuals. And so you have this compounding effect of, you know, uh, less donors and also maybe less than ideal experiences. Uh, you cite within the article, and we're going to link to the article in the show notes so that everyone has access to it, but you cite within the article a, a conversation or two that you had with nonprofits that you had previously supported where you were proactive in reaching out to have conversations mm -hmm. with directors uh, and, and executives on staff at the nonprofits. Walk us through those conversations and how were they received and uh, and what were your takeaways after having that direct uh, dialogue with the organizations. Yeah, that's actually happened several times. Uh, organizations that I have donated to and then talked with and 
and uh, tried to help them understand how donors like myself might think and how organizations like theirs might respond. So I've actually done this with a half a dozen organizations already. And um, it's, it's, it's important to me to help them achieve the goal that we all have in mind, which is to, you know, to generate funds to accomplish our mission. So in those situations, um, I would usually initiate the contact. Then they would realize I was pretty serious about um, giving and understanding the giving process. And then we would talk further about how their particular organization might respond better to their donor base. Uh, I wish more donors were as proactive as you. I was thinking the same thing. Like so many donors might have just walked away, but you're you're trying to fix it and make it better, which I think is great. Yeah, I uh, I've enjoyed doing it, and it's often important to understand how the people on the other side feel, because that way you can you, improve your own service. Yeah, I mean, like absolutely. There there is. There is a uh, mutual desire in the donor nonprofit relationship to solve a problem. And uh, and what did you learn through those conversations about, you know, the the organizations that you are supporting? What were some of the uh, the trends that you saw from them? One of the things that really stuck out was how little they know about their donors. So I asked them, all of them, what the research was that they had done on their donors. And the responses were that they had done very little. And so I suggested that they ask donors where their organization is in terms of the top five organizations that the donor gives to. And why isn't it higher or why isn't it lower? Um, and so just trying to get them to understand the notion that that donors have reasons for why they do what they do. And we need to study more, learn more about how people come to that decision, especially in this period of transfer of wealth that we keep reading about that the boomers are going to engage in. The nonprofits need to step up and make a better case for how and why people should give their money to them as well. So it's an important uh, it's an important thing to remember in terms of figuring it all out. So Ronnie, this is where we like lean in and break the fourth wall to the audience and be like, see, <laughs> see, like honestly, because we believe the same thing, uh, you know, Ted, that there's a, a a gap in the routine, the discipline, even the the muscle memory of listening, and uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting when we were previously chatting, Ted, you, you kind of turned that question on Ronnie and I of, Hey, why doesn't this happen more? Right. And, right, yeah. uh, and, and uh, there are so many reasons why I, I think that to me, the root of it is that it, it seems to be less the priority versus executing on other things. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's not a priority. It seems to be lesser of a priority versus the many pressures and things that, uh, that folks within a nonprofit have to have to deliver on, or at least that's, that's kind of my, my personal take when you had those conversations, uh, and you talk to them about, you know, their own research, 
What was your takeaway from it? Why, why do you think that they have not made that a better practice, at least for the organizations that you've engaged with? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. They just don't have the time or the interest mostly. <clears throat> but you can do a lot of research easily. I mean, Walmart, every time we go to a Walmart or another store, they want a customer satisfaction survey. And they actually do use that information. Well, it's not that hard to set up a similar kind of an arrangement with a donor. I mean, we want to know why they picked our organization. We want to know how we stack up with other organizations. We want to know what the ultimate uh, goal is for the donor. We want to know how long they've been donating. Um, we want to know the categories of organizations that they donate to. We basically want to know how and why they're thinking, of course, to increase their donations to our own organizations, but also to improve the overall process of philanthropic organ, um, efforts in the country. One of the things that we've um, we've kind of pointed out as we've done our quit bad fundraising movement is that we see there's often a focus on kind of the right now when you're at a nonprofit, like the focus on we have to hit our annual revenue, we have to execute, like you mentioned, Justin, we have to do you know, get this this email out, this piece of mail out. We have to do these things now. Do you think that kind of hinders this more of this long term thinking to like this thinking of like, let me send out a survey so we can start planning down the road for this thing of how, you know, learn more about our donors is is it do they need a shift sort of their approach to more long term? I think that's part of the problem, Robbie, Ronnie, because they uh, they they're they're thinking of raising money this year and hitting this year's target, and um, what they need to do is to cultivate donors for a longer term uh, giving as well. Yeah, there's a uh, you know we actually have uh, TED analysis on, geez, hundreds of organizations that that points toward the opportunity in terms of long-term value, right? And, uh, and long-term net value, uh, to an organization. And, uh, and it's remarkable the systems and processes and, and even design thinking that's towards short-term, uh, and, and you do, you get caught up in what do I have to accomplish right now? What do I have to accomplish within this year? And it can skew your ability to think about those longer term impacts. And so, again, like these things tend to I believe they tend to build on each other, you know, the the gap in listening and uh, and the focus on short term. Like those things tend to um, distract you from uh, from getting to know your donors, as you said, you also within your your piece, you note something. Uh, that I find particularly um, quirky and fun and interesting, and that's a that's uh, the role that galas play in in your life, and uh, and and gala invites. Talk us through a little bit of uh, the you know the 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 space that galas have uh, with your relationship with the nonprofits that you support. Well, I've been invited to plenty of them, as well as the golf outings, and I have never gone, in part because I don't play golf, but more importantly, because I don't see that as important. I, the, the point of the golf outings and the galas is simply so that the rich people can see other rich people and, and they can solidify their social status in their communities, and, um, and, and they cost a lot of money to put on. 
Um, I have no data, but uh, my guess is that some of them may not even draw as much money as, as, as the event itself costs. Um, I, I've always had a big, big problem with those types of events and, and, and discourage organizations from doing them, even though they do work in some circumstances. Yeah, I think that the what I love about it is, uh, one, I love your admission that, hey, they're not for me. Like, this isn't my jam. If you were to talk to me, if you were to get to know me, you'd learn that this isn't my jam and you wouldn't spend your time and your resources inviting me because it's not my jam. And that's not to say that it's not someone else's or that it can't be beneficial for a certain segment uh, of of supporters. Um, But it kind of comes back to the act of listening and listening well and prioritizing understanding people and building better experiences for those people, uh, of which, you know, there are data attributes that you can add in to understand a Ted versus, you know, Ronnie, we can't keep the eye off the golf course, you know, mm-hmm. or those, those galas. I love dressing up in fancy, <laughs> you know, suits and tuxedos. That's Such my a jam. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's important yeah. to think about it in terms of, of, of a different strategy as well. For example, I was talking with somebody, a fundraiser at a major organization on the East Coast last week. And I said, you know, you need to think of us donors as part of your team instead of just a donor. You need to think of us as part of your team. And, and we're all working for the for the same outcome. We're all working to, you know, to achieve the same goal, um, just doing different pieces of it. But unless you do some research, unless you know more about your donors, we can't act together as a team. Ted, I'm curious. We we talked a lot about what is not working and what needs to improve. In your experience, what would you say this looks like from a, a, an organization that's doing it well? I mean, we don't have to say who it is or anything, but what does the experience look like from your end to from an organization that's hitting the mark? I'd say the best example of that is an organization that invited me to spend half a day at their organization um, watching kids get tutored and watching, um, you know, children do different kinds of things and giving me the opportunity to talk with the students who wanted to talk about it um, and talking to the staff members. And then after that, having a chance to talk to the director about things like budget and uh, sources of income and uh, how I might be able to make somewhat of a difference. Um, so that kind of immersive experience. Now, having said that, I realize you can't do this with every person that comes through the door. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you'd probably run out of time. But for somebody who's shown a lot of interest in your organization and who's already given five or $10,000, it's, it's a way to get people understanding your organization in a way that makes them more committed to giving more in the future. So getting them involved, getting them involved, yeah. like, you know, learning about the donor, finding out what they want to be involved in. For you, it's it's getting in there and being involved in the work, not so much the, you know, the outings. Um, and then I'm also hearing, I guess, uh, transparency, some, you know, right. tell me about what, what the gift is doing, what, you know, mm-hmm. how you're using it. Yeah. And then on the lower cost end. Um, I like getting updates, newsletters from an organization, not necessarily directed just to me, but directed to all donors, actually non-donors as well, 
that simply says, here's what's been going on the last few months. Uh, here's three examples of our success. Uh, here's where we are in terms of the budget uh, this, so far this year. Uh, here's the two or three things we have going on this fall, and you can sign up here. You don't have to do this every week or every month, but every few months, that kind of constant awareness shared with your donors is a way to keep them aware of what's going on so that when it comes time to make their donation, they 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 will include you in that process. I completely agree, Ted. Completely agree. And and that principle of of stewardship, you know, that that's rooted in uh, in philanthropy and, and needs to be a, a something that we continue to work hard at. Even to your point of, you know, we see there being place where we might not be able to bring every donor on site to experience the mission firsthand. Like that may not be possible, but it is possible to communicate, like you said, through newsletters or for some donors, it's a quick video that you send them to where they see a face and they see your, you know, your, uh, your eyes, and they see you as a, a nonprofit professional light up sharing those impact stories of, of where the donation is going. There are these, these ways that if we prioritize, um, maybe, uh, modernizing some of our stewardship, it can go further in helping continue that relationship with, with donors and provide them with a more rich experience. Um, we really do. I mean, like we're, you know, we're, we're so glad for, uh, for a donor like you, Ted, because, um, you bring a perspective to the sector that there are a lot of things that we may know, but we don't always choose to act on. And so, um, it is helpful for us and refreshing for us when we see someone stand up and say, Hey, wait a second. Like I'm the person who you're trying to get the attention of. Let me tell you about my experience. There's a lot of value in that. And so we appreciate you sharing that experience. Uh, do you got any more, uh, any more op-eds planned? No, that, that's it. You know, that's <laughs> it. One and done. Well, I, here's what I hope. My hope is that, um, is that, in the months or years to come that your experience with nonprofits uh, becomes more rich and more full and that you find the space to write uh, something about why I kept donating uh, to an organization uh, as, a, as a solve for the, the pains that you have experienced. I will give that some thought. That's a great idea. <laughs> Oh, very cool. Well, Ted, thanks for taking the time to chat with us and uh, for sharing your story, for sharing your perspective. And uh, thank you for being an active uh, and involved um, donor. We really appreciate that. My pleasure. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, including how you can partner with RKD to accelerate growth for your fundraising and nonprofit marketing needs, visit rkdgroup.com.